Republic primary. No. Waxes pubic black cherry. No. Faxes subscript Hail Mary. No. It's Max's public library. Max's public library. Hello and welcome to episode four of Max's Public Library, only on WECB, the underground sound of Emerson College. Fun fact about WECB, it was actually founded in 1944 by uh, Ulysses S. Grant. Uh, now, for those of you first-time listeners, this is a radio show I created where I read an entire young adult novel on air for an hour with no breaks. Um, I also just want to give a disclaimer this morning. Listen, guys, not all of us are perfect. I acknowledge that. I fit into that category. I woke up a little late, guys. Uh, I, you know, maybe, maybe I wrote some of this this morning. Okay, you got me. Okay, you know, hey, maybe I did wake up at twelve fifteen and then rush to the shower. Okay, fine, that did happen. Okay, and maybe. Maybe I forgot to bring my computer charger here. So who knows how long this show will be? But regardless, I did go to Starbucks this morning and they were a little rude to me, but I don't blame them because working at a coffee shop looks terrible. And here's an anecdote about books to start the show. <sighs> you know, my sophomore year, I wasn't invited to go to the prom. You know, that was a privilege reserved for juniors and seniors. And, and I had just gotten out of a really rough 10-year relationship with my girlfriend, Esmeralda Jacobson, over Exotic Birds. So I was pretty down in the dumps. Ugh. And to top it all off, I was flunking AP history because I refused to acknowledge the assassination of President Andrew Garfield. I guess you could say that my life was absolutely terrible. One day, I was walking to the bus stop when a rabid bear hopped out of the woods and clamped into my leg. Did I mention it was picture day? It felt like nothing could get worse. That was until I found out my four best friends, Tina, Timmy, Tanya, and Myanmar were moving to Jefferson, Ohio to start a vape shop. I asked if I could come, but they said I had to put, pay for the down payment. And I just lost all my savings at the World Series of Poker Tournament. Then Tina leaked a picture of my butt to the school newspaper, and I lost my position as liaison of the principal. <sighs> From then on, I ate egg salad sandwich after egg salad sandwich alone on the floor of the cafeteria. I didn't think it could get any worse. That was until I found out I was allergic to eggs. And if that wasn't enough, the gym teacher, Dr. Stevens, messed up in the random teenage assignment for dodgeball and made everyone play against me. And it wouldn't have been that bad except it was shirts versus skins and I left my pants at home. Plus they were using baseballs. Plus it was winter and we were outside. Plus I had just gotten that tattoo of Esmeralda removed from my back. It was really sore. Plus everyone was really mad at me because I'd been taunting them all morning. Plus I had an erection. Plus I had mono, but they wouldn't let me take the day off because I'd already missed eight days of school watching the Survivor live reunion special on DVD over and over again. So yeah, things are pretty bad. But all of that changed when I picked up a copy of American Crisis, Leadership Lessons from the COVID-19 Pandemic by New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Once everyone saw how smart I was, everyone in school instantly started to have, started trying to have consensual intercourse with me. And I had 47 dates to the prom, several of them with teachers. That night, I lost my virginity 52 times. And the next week, the entire school was shut down in a massive outbreak of mono. And it was all because of books. Which is the perfect segue, per usual, because my segues are always perfect, and I'm so good, I'm writing a radio show.
This week, we're reading a novel that has changed the lives of many Americans, I am sure. And I, I will be honest with you guys, this is not my first choice at all today. I went to the Emerson Iwasaki Library, uh, shout out. And I said, hey, you guys got Captain Underpants? And they said, no, we don't. And I said, okay, you guys got Percy Jackson? And I said, no, we don't. She said, we got The Hunger Games. And I said, no way am I reading The Hunger Games live on air at 1 p.m. on a Sunday. I would never do that, ever. Just so you guys know, in case anyone's holding up for any Hunger Games or Harry Potter, not happening. Everyone already knows the plot. What, what am I? That's old news, guys. And it has nothing to do with the fact that J.K. Rowling's canceled. I would still do it. I'd, I'd still do it, guys. But it's just not a quality book, okay? Let's just throw that out there. No, actually, no, and Harry Potter. Okay, it's a good book. But everyone's read it already. And they've seen the movies, and the movies are always better than books. That's a life lesson from this radio show. The books are not as good as the movies. So anyways, I started going to the library. I started perusing the um, bookshelf. The young adult section is in the back corner, which is, which is where they keep the porn in uh, sex shops. Um, so I, I started perusing the, the back corner. Um, it feels like they're hiding them. You know what I mean? It feels like they're embarrassed that they have young adult novels. Or, really, there's no reason. Like, it's it's like it's like it's dirty for them because there's like all the screenplays and then there's the young adult novel. Also, there's a lot of Dr. Seuss books for no reason. Why why who's writing a thesis? I don't know. Anyway, so we started. For, well, then again, why is why are all these books there? That's another great question. I guess for me, for people like me, do you think a lot of people are checking? Me? Uh, anyway, so I started perusing the. Um, you know, the, the young adult novel section. And I found a couple of books that were like, this is terrible. I was actually really disappointed. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do because this was, um, you know, a little later in the week than it should have been. <laughs> I procrastinated this episode. Um, so I started, yeah, I started perusing. And then I found this one book um, and it had a really beautiful title. The title was called The President's Daughter. And that made me laugh a lot. So I picked it up off the shelf. And really, you guys, if you could see this cover, you would be titillated let me tell you it's a picture it's um it's the white house um and and in front of the white house is this tree and this girl she has she has a plaid shirt tucked into her jeans and then she has like a ask off that she's wearing and she looks unhappy basically and the book title they didn't tell you they don't tell you the log line on the spine of the book but it's the president's daughter wants her old life back Oh, what a genius title, genius concept for a book. So I said, I have to have this. So I went up front and I said, I want to buy it. And I threw money at the desk and I didn't give them my information. I ran away. Um, that's obviously a lie. But but um, as I was waiting for the Zoom call to start, because they already give you a peek behind the curtain, uh, the radio station sets a Zoom call up. Uh, I, I know everyone thinks I'm in a studio. I'm uh, I, I'm talking into my my computer. I don't have a microphone because I don't know how any of this works. Uh, so as I, as I was waiting for the Zoom call to start, I started perusing. This book was published in 1994. First of all, uh, it, it was written by the lovely Ellie Ellen Emerson White. Emerson represent. Um, she she starts it off with for my mother naturally, which is hilarious. Um, on the back cover, <laughs> the about the author section. Oh my God, it's everything I've ever wanted. Here's, here's, here's the about the author section. Um, here we go. Ellen Emerson White's favorite joke is, if I dialed the wrong number, why did you answer the phone? Which is a classic joke. She's the author of several books for young adults, among them White House Autumn. So she clearly has, you know. She likes the White House. 
Long Live the Queen, Friends for Life, and Life Without Friends, which is funny that those are the ones she wrote. <laughs> She's also written a series of novels about the war in Vietnam entitled Echo Company, which is weird. Why, why'd she do that? I, I don't know. <laughs> it's just, uh, okay. Uh, also, Ellen Emerson White grew up in Narragansett, Rhode Island, and was, and was, was graduated, which is a weird way to phrase that, from Tufts University in 1983. Yeah, Tufts, shout out to where I get my COVID test. Um, she now works full-time as a writer, dividing her time between Boston and New York. So there's a very good chance she could be in the streets right now and has no idea that I'm carrying copy. Um, I, I think, I just think that the, the plethora of book titles that, that she has that sound so similar and also uh, horrible uh, is great. And, and that is the reason they will be reading um, this book. I, I hope I haven't left anything out. Uh, with that, we're just going to get started. I, I also wasn't kidding. I don't have a computer charger. So if this ends early, you know what, guys? I'll, I'll take the blame for that one. We'll be okay. I'm at 40%, guys. 40%, that's good. But, uh, you know, I'll keep you posted. <laughs> okay, let's get started. Meg was 10 minutes, chapter one. This is chapter one. Meg was 10 minutes early. It was her mother's opinion that three minutes were more, were more than sufficient, but Meg liked to play it safe, less pressure that way. She slouched into the tennis club, wearing old blue sweatpants, a baggy v-neck sweater, and faded green Lacoste shirt. The woman at the front desk nodded, and Meg nodded back. It was Friday afternoon, so the place was pretty quiet, although commuters would be showing up any minute now for after-work drinks, which meant that her mother would have to shake hands all over the place. Pretty embarrassing. She sat down on a gold velour couch to wait. A gold velour couch? I mean, come on. That just doesn't sound real. I don't know. God. She sat down on a gold velour couch to wait, checking to make sure that no one was watching before swinging her legs onto the magazine table. Tennis. World tennis. Racket quarterly. <laughs> Architectural digest. Vanity fair. She had the tremendous urge to go up to the desk and ask for the latest issue of People, but repressed it. Because <laughs> she's a teenager. Uh, you know, teenagers love People magazine. <laughs> Sometimes people didn't have a sense of humor about things like that. She checked the clock, seven minutes of five. That meant that she had four minutes to go, unless her mother's plane was late or she was tied up in Boston traffic. Some Fridays, that happened. Yeah, Boston, shout out. To occupy herself, Meg unwrapped the blue bandana from her racket handle. Not sure whether to tie it around her head in a sweatband or just hide it inside her racket cover. She could never decide if bandanas were cool or trendy. It was impossible to be both. <laughs> the front door of the club opened, and she heard a familiar voice. Glenn, her mother's top aide. At 8.30, he was saying, and then at 9, her mother nodded, both dignified and beautiful in a blue silk dress and her London fog raincoat. She saw Meg and her face changed. The fatigue and political smile were replaced by a grin. She crossed the hall in swift grace, but Meg stood up to receive an enthusiastic hug, smelling bold but understated perfume. <laughs> I hope I'm not late, her mother. I hope I'm not late. That's going to be the mom's voice. Her mother said, glancing at her watch. No. That's Meg. That's going to be Meg's voice. Meg said, I was just kind of early. Well, I'm sorry you had to wait. 
Her mother held her held her away. Smile. Meg smiled obediently. This is just Veep. This is just Veep. The whole this book is Veep from the daughter's perspective. That's all this whole book is. I, I'm on page two and I already know how it's gonna end. Oh God. Guys, maybe this was a bad choice, but I like it a lot. I don't know if you guys are into it. I I might not even do bit today. I might just read this because I'm genuinely into it. <laughs> I should read more. Meg smiled obediently. Oh, you look beautiful, her mother said. Much older. <laughs> she turned to Glenn and her press secretary, Linda. Yeah, shout out about Linda. Hey, Linda, you're in this one. Okay. Doesn't Meg look beautiful without her braces? Linda and Glenn nodded. <laughs> Glenn, it's just, it's just so weird. Oh, <laughs> I know it's not even that weird. That's the thing. I, I know right now nothing's really happened. I, I'm sorry if I'm overreacting. I just, I'm, I'm just having a lot of fun right now. Woo! Okay. Linda and Glenn nodded. They weren't what you call effusive types. More like what you call grumps. Well, her mother checked her watch again. We'd better get moving. She looked at Glenn and Linda. I'll anticipate seeing you shortly after eight. Glenn scanned his schedule sheet, his expression worried. I think seven would be more. I haven't seen my family since Monday, her mother said somewhat sharply. Eight will be sufficient. He sighed but nodded. Thank you, her mother said. I'll see you in a few hours. She switched her tennis bag to her left hand, putting her right arm around Meg. Come on, let's not waste any court time. See you later, Meg said to Glenn and Linda, then followed her mother down the hall to the women's locker room, watching her watching her meg decided that her mother was the kind of person that made you wish you had you had on pumps not that meg could walk on pumps not that she really wanted to walk on pumps put together that's how her mother looked as if she never had a gray hair except 44 was kind of old for that mom what you color your hair no hmm meg considered that never occasionally her mother turned to look at her why just curious. What a weird conversation. Also, wait, can I say I thought I thought the president would be a man? Can I just say that? I don't know if anyone else is thinking that. Maybe that's internalized of me. I thought the president would be a man. And that and that's all I'll have to. I'm just gonna acknowledge that. And shame on me. I did vote, I did vote for Elizabeth Warren. But, um, it's also 1994. I thought this book would be about. A man president. Her mother lifted an eyebrow, but didn't pers pursue that. Meg sat in the lounge part of the locker room, slouched low enough to avoid the many mirrors. She wasn't heavily into mirrors. <laughs> her mother came out in an, in an Ellis, Elise, Elise, someone, Elise, Elise, E-L-L-E-S-S-E. -L -L -E -S -S -E. It's a rich person word. Pleated skirt slash scribe. Who puts a slash in a novel? Her mother came out in Elie's pleated skirt slash striped shirt outfit. Walking over, you don't put a slash in a novel? Oh God, sorry, sorry. I'm getting, guys, my computer's getting a little derailed today and I apologize for that. Oh, you don't put a slash in a novel. That's terrible. That's terrible formatting. Doing so with three depth bobby pin jabs, she frowned at the mirror, retouched her makeup, and shook her head to loosen some of the hair in the bun. The senator prepares to enter the public eye. She saw Meg watching and smiled. 
I only color it when it starts graying strangely, she said. Meg put on her best solemn expression. I guess only your hairdresser knows for sure. What, are you kidding? I do it late at night. Do you turn the lights out first? Her mother laughed. Ha 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 Always. Leaving the locker room, she glanced down at Meg's outfit. What happened to all those clothes you got for your birthday? Well, I don't know. Meg said, a little self-conscious about the contrast between them. The senator and the slovenly daughter. I feel, I feel like I'm not supposed to perspire in them. Her mother nodded. No point in ruining good clothes by wearing them. Meg looked at her uncertainly, not sure if she was kidding, but they were already on the court and it was too late to ask. Rally for a while, her mother asked on the other side of the net. Uh, sure, yeah, Meg said, leaving her bandana with her racket cover. Her mother was like a phenomenal tennis player. That's how it says that verbatim. Her mother was like a phenomenal tennis player. Meg generally felt lucky to, have, to get a game off her, although she would play as hard as she could. Over the last year or so, more and more games had gone to deuce, and sometimes Meg even won a set. They kept, they kept on the court for about an hour, her mother winning 6-3, 6-4, needing her at the net, hot and tired. Meg noticed that her mother was always flushed and trying to hide the fact that she was out of breath. Are you okay? Meg asked, just to be sure. Fine, her mother blotted her face in the towel. Have you been playing a lot lately? Pretty much. Her mother nodded. It shows. Hello, Senator. One of the women, that's, I don't know why I chose that place. One of the women talking over the court said, how's Washington? Not bad, her mother said. How's psychology? Not bad. N not bad. Okay, uh, context clues, guys. She's not president. Um, she's a senator, which is kind of a letdown. Well, which means that, well, obviously she's gonna be president. But I'm starting to think this book's about a campaign, which is disappointing because um, it's also it's also a 200-page book. We're not going to finish it. I'm on page four. I've been reading for 15 minutes straight because <laughs> I'm a slow reader. Have a good match. <laughs> her mother picked up her tennis bag and draped her sweater around her shoulders. How do you remember all that stuff? Meg held the doors at the court area. I mean, all the people you meet? Practice, I guess. I've never been one for mnemonics. Meg nodded intelligently rather than asking, What are mnemonics? I mean, her mother's voice was very casual. I personally find that memory devices complicate things even more. Meg blushed. She would have to work on her intelligent nod. Hey, her mother paused by the club bar. I feel like going to get something to drink. Meg shrugged and followed her trying to get her sweater draped just as sportily around her shoulders, or at least half as sportily. The bar was crowded and they sat at the table in the corner, a waiter hurrying over. Oh, what can I get for you, Senator? He asked, pen poised. Orange juice, thank you, she grinned. It's not just for breakfast anymore. I believe, Meg said, that I'll have a martini. That's what you think, her mother said. How does orange juice sound? Not as good as tab. <laughs> I used to do that same uh, I want a martini bit with my with um with my dad at a restaurant. I'd, I'd ask for a dry martini and then the waiter would be like, oh, what? Because I was obviously 14. Her mother nodded at the waiter who nodded back and then scurried off to get their drinks. When he returned, her mother took a sip of the juice, glanced around the other people at the bar, then leaned forward. How can you come and play tennis and be so terribly healthy? Then come here and drink, she asked. Meg gulped some tab. Are you sure I can have a I can't have a martini? What do you know about martinis? Lots. Right. 
Her mother finished half the juice, still flushed from playing. She lowered her glass, looking at Meg thoughtfully. You know, since she's the two of us, I thought we could have a Senator Powell. One of the men from the bar was suddenly at the table. I want to congratulate you on the work you did in that chemical dumping bill. Oh, well, thank you, her mother said. How have things been going for you? Not bad, not bad. Oh, her mother turned. This is my daughter, Megan. Meg, this is Mr. Garvey. How do you, how do you do, Meg said. Aye, Mr. Garvey said briefly. Senator, what I wanted to ask you is the wife and the kids and I are going to have in DC for a week. What, what are the chances of us being able to get some gallery passes? Call the Boston office, her mother answered, and talk to Harriet. She'll arrange everything for you. Okay, thanks, he said. I went back to the bar. Another day, another vote. <laughs> oh, so does Meg. Another day, another vote, Meg observed. Her mother grimaced. How come you have to go out and give big speeches tonight? I thought you were going to be home. Well, her mother looked uncomfortable. It's only two. I should be back by ten at the latest. Meg nodded. It wasn't like this. The it wasn't like this was the first time. Anyway, her mother said. I thought since it's just she glanced around to make sure. Since it is just the two of us, I thought we could have a talk. Meg stiffened. Am I in trouble? No, of course not. I just wanted to talk to you. Meg relaxed. Hey, this is about sex. I already know. <laughs> Great line, may I say, she said, sitting back in the chair. Since we went over it about six years ago, I should hope it's sunk in by now at any rate. How old is Meg? <laughs> six years ago? Okay, sorry. Her mother went on. I've discussed, I've discussed this with your father. What, sex? Why is... <laughs> Terrible bit. Meg, come on, I'm being serious. Recognizing the irritation in Meg's voice, Meg was quiet. I wanted to talk to you before I mentioned it to your brother. Your father and I have given a lot of thought about the next election. You mean you're not running? I'm not running for Senate, her mother conceded. You mean you'll like live at home all the time? Make it almost feel right lighting up to whatever whatever that eyes did. Meg, I want to run for president. Meg choked, losing half her mouthful of tab on the table. She shoved her napkin on the liquid, still coughing. Are you kidding me? <laughs> she gasped. No. Oh my God. A lot of party people have been approaching me. They think the country's ready for a serious woman candidate. And they think, well, what do you think? And Meg frowned. Will you be in the primaries and everything? At least in New Hampshire, her mother nodded. Will you be able to be home at all? Not much, her mother admitted. I'd have to be all over the place campaigning. What did Dad say? I want your opinion, not his. Meg studied her mother, healthy, alert, the thin neck and face dark against the white sweater. You look like a president, she decided. Now? Yeah, you dress right. You're tall enough. Well, thank you, her mother laughed. Think we can work 5-8 into a slogan somewhere? Meg twirled her straw, thinking about all this. You're not. I mean, what happens if you win? I guess I would be president. My God. Meg shuddered, dropping her straw. You think you'll win? I'll be happy if I make a good showing in New Hampshire. Forget everything else. My, My God. Meg shuddered again. Well, what do you think? Can I have a martini? Meg asked. And that's, and that's, that's that. Uh, it's not the end of chapter one, but it's almost the end of chapter one. And I've been reading for 20 minutes straight and I'm, oh God, it's two pages. Okay. I'm going to power through this two pages. I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm a teacher and I hate that. No, you know what? Screw that. We're doing a break for ads. That's right. As always guys, I have to do ads and I really don't want to, but these advertisements help pay for my wrist. I get my wrist clean once a week and it's all funded by advertisements. It's actually a really rigorous process. Um, there's a lot of shaving, and, and I saw a lot of the old bone out. Uh, they actually wax all the hair in my wrist and remove a lot of the excess fluid because I do have a gangly insist on my uh, right wrist, which is essential. 
essentially, well, okay, never mind. But um, these are ads. So uh, before we get back to reading, let me do a quick little ad plug for um, all these ads. Can you hear me? You hear me stirring my coffee? I don't know, Starbucks, anyways. Uh, okay. Dream, bake, inspire. At Tate Bakery and Cafe, we know that the mornings are more about are more, about more than coffee. It's about the croissants and the bread and the inspiration. That's why Tate is committed to delivering the best baked goods and beverages at every corner in the Boston area. We look for local coffee shops and open up a new location right next door, so you never have to settle for anything less than a brand you love. Come to Tate Bakery Cafe and use promo code Max's Public Library for a free croissant. You guys can actually try that. It will work. I cleared it up with Tate. <clears throat> Mom? Mom? Mom, I just got home from school and I'm starving. What's for snack? Mom? Mom? Mom, I'm hungry. I really could go for a snack right now. Mom? Mom, where are you? I really want a big plate of Bagel Bites brand pizza bagels. Now with four cheeses and an authentic Italian flavor. The Bagel Bites brand pizza bagels are more delicious than ever. Mom? Mom, I'm coming to your room. Where are you? Did I mention that the pepperoni has an authentic Italian flavor, Mom? Oh my God, Mom. Mom, are you okay? Mom, why are you on the floor? Mom? Oh God. Mom, stay with me, Mom, please. Oh my God, Mom, sit up, please. Mom, say something. Oh, you're, you're covered in blood, Mom. There's blood all over your face. Wait, wait, that's not blood, it's... It's tomato sauce! Mom, did you eat my Bagel Bites brand pizza bagels? <laughs> I love you, Mom. That's a real ad they sent me. Just good at inflections. Fashion, dancing, movement. For three and a half dec decades, Mel Gibson's best friend, Dave Butts, has written success after success. And now, Dave Butts is back. With his new book, Follow Me Into the Tunnel, Bartholomew, because I heard there was something really cool on the inside of his tunnel. Read how Dave Butts crafts the thrilling tale of a young boy trying to convince his friend to go into the tunnel because he heard there was something really cool inside. Is it treasure? Is it a dead body? Is it prescription medication? We'll only know if Bartholomew says, okay, Dave Butts. Now an original Netflix television series starring Kid Rock as Bartholomew and Dave Butts as himself. Get your copy of Follow Me Into the Tunnel, Bartholomew, because I heard there was something really cool on the inside of this tunnel on Amazon Prime to support local businesses today. And our final ad. <clears throat> I'm gonna the book. Dogs are ugly. They look and smell like little monsters. Just look at their excess body fat and so many nipples. But why are they so confident? You'd think maybe it's time you started body shaming your dog. With Unleashed by Petco, you can force stunning designer looks on your ugly, ugly dog. Gone are the days when you have to look at your Dotson's ugly testicles. Never again will you stare in horror at your Great Dane's offensive butthole. With Unleashed by Petco, your dog will wear the latest fashions without looking like a disgusting, impure floozy. Cover up your Shih Tzu's vagina. Stop sharing at my Dalmatian's areola. Keep your eyes off my Labradoodle's erection. Unleashed by Petco. This ad was paid for in full by Caesar Milan. And that's all the ads we have. Those are all real. I'm pretty sure I could say erection on, the, on this. I'm pretty sure I could say vagina too. I didn't ask. They said I can't swear. But I'm pretty sure I can say vagina. Right? Hey, WCB, if you got any problems with me saying vagina many times on air, let me know. Is anyone offended? 
by me saying that you tweet at me, tweet at me at, at Corn Dude Max if you if you didn't like it when I said vagina. Just say, hey Max, I didn't like it when you said vagina, and I'll know that that's what you meant. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Also, I didn't take my antidepressants, so I'm gonna do that on air. Um, because you know what? I was supposed to take that at 9 p.m. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. I was supposed to take that, and it's um not 9 a.m. anymore. So I need to do that. Mm. Nothing like washing down your antidepressant with caffeine. Okay, back to the book. We're starting in the middle of chapter one, which means we're going to cut into chapter two kind of late. I don't know how this is going to go. Or we could just jump ahead to chapter two. I don't know. Um, trying to feel it out. But I, I think maybe this is the right call. Whatever. Getting home half an hour late, they, they found Meg's little brother, Stephen and Neil, on one side of the kitchen table making a salad, while Meg's father sat on the other side, drinking Molson and frowning at a paper. Stephen was 11, thin and pugnacious, with their mother's dark hair and eyes. Neil was six, still hanging on to somewhat blondish hair, much quieter than his brother. Hey, Neil scrambled up, it's mom. Hi, she caught him in a hug, dropping her tennis bag. Stephen shoved the lettuce away and moved in for his turn. Their mother hugged them. Then Meg's father, which was there, which is a different kind of hug, longer. <laughs> they looked at each other, and Meg's father brought his hand up to her mother's cheek. You look tired, he said. What? Well, she kissed him lightly. I've been playing tennis. Mom, mom, look! He rushed out of the room. Then, back with a handful of school papers. I got a hundred and I got a hundred spelling and everything. Oh, well, let's see, she sat down and Neil climbed up on her lap, grass stained and disheveled from a soccer practice. Wow, I'm 95 in math. Oh, that's great. Hi, Meg said to her father. He smiled at her before looking back at her mother. How was school? Uh, I don't, I don't okay, how was work? Got lots of new clients today? Hundreds, he leaned forward, touching his wife's hand. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad too, she said turning her hand onto his, um, no, where was I? Dang it, I got a text and I looked at it. Ah, sorry guys, I'm distracted. Put my phone away, Max. Ah, I got a text and I looked at the text and I lost my place in the book. That's really embarrassing for me guys, I shouldn't have said anything, I should have just pretended I can't read. Meg looked at Stephen, who pretended to gag. Ben. Ben, Mom, I'll make you get a haircut tomorrow, she said, just to get him going. He threw some carrot peelings at her for the phone rang, and they both jumped for it, Stephen getting there first. Hello? Oh, just a minute, please. He covered the receiver with his hand. Mom, it's, what's his name, from Texas? Representative Palmer. She took out the phone as he nodded. Brian, hi. That means she's a Republican now. That means that this book's about a Republican. Take a second to let that sink in. Party, party business, Stephen said, trying to make his voice deep. Party? Party? Who's having a party? Really, Meg? Boy do, boy, do we have a dumb sister, Stephen said to Neil, who laughed. Yeah, come on. Meg, how, how long's your, your mom been a senator? You don't know what a party is? It's only the, she, she mentioned it earlier. In the book, they talked about it. Jesus. <sighs> An hour and... Uh... An hour and six phone calls later, they were sitting down to dinner. The phone hooked up to the answering machine, eating the stew that Trudy, their housekeeper, had made when the, when the salad Meg had to finish making. 
and the salad and the salad salad that Meg had to finish making. I'm with it. On weekends, Trudy usually went home to her apartment. Their father frowned, which made him look like a stern tax attorney. <laughs> he smiled. His smile made him look like a jolly lumberjack. Stephen, we better see about getting that haircut tomorrow. Stephen groaned and Meg laughed. Yeah. You'll probably even be better at soccer if, you, if it's not getting in your eyes all the time, their mother said reasonably. Me too, Neil asked. You too. Their mother leaned over to cut his meat. He watched her, her his elbows on the table. Were you important today? She made a, a four, what? She made four quick horizontal count. Cuts. Ugh. Not really. Did you talk in front of everyone? I always do. She handed him his plate, indicating with her eyebrows for him to move his elbows. Boy! He reached in front of Stephen for the bread basket, saw his father's expression, and sat back. Would you please pass me the bread, please? He asked politely. <laughs> I like Stephen. Stephen took two. I, that's not the book. I like, I like Stephen. Stephen's cool. Stephen took two pieces, then he shoved the basket along. Boy! Neil said, taking two bigger pieces. I bet all the senators listen to you. Not always. Boy, he said, you should be president. She looked her eyebrows at Meg, who shuddered. Meg, be a good munchkin and pass me the salt, will you? She asked. And that's officially the end of chapter one, which is hilarious to me. Okay, let's do a little debrief. That was chapter one. We got a lot of exposition, and also it took me a half hour to get to it. Um, so let's just let's debrief a little bit what, what we're working with here. We have the mom. Who is a senator, Senator Power Powers? Um, here's something I'm disappointed by is that I know that the juice and the meat of the book is not gonna be until later when her mom obviously becomes president. Like obviously, that's like the whole point, right? I I I I'm frustrated that I'm only we're only gonna read the beginning. Duh. You can come in and read the whole book, and no one's gonna read the whole book at all. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really hesitant to to skip ahead because it, it always ends poorly for me. We tried that with goosebumps. Regardless, we're gonna do a little quick little segment. Um, before we go back to the book, I just want to take a quick second to acknowledge um, and address some of our younger viewers. I know we have a lot of young fans who who are a big fan of the show. A lot of people have reached out to me, and it, it really does mean a lot. So, um, kids, thank you for sticking around and listening to the show. Um, I've got a little bit of advice, and I, and I want to give it to you. So. Um, if you're with your parents, parents, you can leave in the room and uh, just give it to your kids. If you're if you're not a child, don't listen to this. Um, so uh, I hope you get good grades in school. You know, I hope you study really hard. You guys love me. Um, and make sure you eat lots of vegetables, kids. And if you wear dark clothing and make your eyes pop, do you guys think I'm funny? There is no one in this world built the way you are. You are unique. You are loved, and you are special. Would you do anything for me? Anything? Tell your parents that you love them today because they need to hear it. Get a Twitter account. Learn how to garden. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and it'll help you learn responsibility. Tweet the following message. At Jose Canseco, my friend Max is a big fan of the fact that you played baseball and did steroids. Would you please come to the Boston Common on April 2nd? Max has a surprise for you. Dance to your favorite music like no one's watching. Sing a little too. Privately message Jose Canseco on Twitter. Hey, Jose, I'm Max's friend. IDK, if you saw my tweet earlier, but my best friend Max doesn't really like baseball that much, but he does like you a lot, and I want you to come to the Boston Common on April 2nd. Max has a surprise for you. Color outside the lines. 
Who cares? Get your parents' computers and order 14 bowling balls and have them shipped to Max Charbonneau at Everson College. Make music. It doesn't matter who's listening. On April 2nd, come to the Boston Common with your bowling balls. Listen very carefully. Load all of your bowling balls into a net. I'm providing it'll be underneath the gazebo. Once you, all the bowling balls are in, loaded in very carefully, I need you to tie one end of the net to the tree and one end to the monument. I'll be arriving at exactly 3 p.m. with a cake that says Jose Surprise. Okay, I'm going to place it directly under the net. I need you to wait until Jose Canseco is underneath the net. Then, on my cue, I will be throwing a flare gun into the air. When you hear the flare gun, cut the net. Releasing the bowling balls. Together, we can kill Jose Canseco. Take a silly picture. Who cares who's watching? Okay, and now I'm going to help you brush your teeth. Because um, I don't know. I guess Spotify has a thing where you can brush your teeth alongside Spotify. So... Uh, go to the bathroom. Get your brush wet. Good. They were done it. I put toothpaste on it. Good. Okay. Good job. Now brush the left side of your teeth. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That's enough. Okay. Now do the right side of your teeth. Good. Okay. That's good enough now. Okay. Now do the top parts of your of your teeth. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, both sides. Do do both sides really quickly. Okay. Now wash your tongue. Scrub scrub your tongue, please. Your tongue is disgusting. Wash your now. Wash your cheeks, dude. Scrape all the sides of your cheeks, okay? Scrape the okay. Good. Now, now rinse it out. Spit and rinse your mouth. You covered in toothpaste. Okay, now back to the book, chapter two. After the usual fight with Stephen over the dishes, the fight they always had when Trudy wasn't around either to do them herself or officiate. Meg escaped upstairs with an excuse of homework. Can we take no? Can we take a second? Um. Meg's really privileged. We're reading a book about a really privileged girl. She's so rich. This is ridiculous. She's a housekeeper, guys. Come on. What, what the hell is this? Who, who, who is this woman? She's the senator's daughter, and we're supposed to feel bad for her? I don't feel bad for her at all. Yeah. Get a job. Trudy. Or what's her name? Meg? I, you know what? I actually like Trudy. Where's Trudy? Trudy should be in the book form. This book should be about Trudy. How about that? How about that? Ellen Emerson White. She's a rich name, too. Ellen Emerson White. Actually, homework wouldn't have been a terrible idea since the next night there was a dance at school and she had her close, she and her closest friend, Beth Shulman, were going to go along with a bunch of other girls and collectively stare at Rick Hamilton, <laughs> which would undoubtedly be fruitless but entertaining. Then Sunday night was out. Because her parents were having a dinner party for an ambassador and his wife and some other political people, party business, as Stephen would say. Anyway, that would mean they would have to make appearances but properly well-mannered and articulate children and pass hors d'oeuvres. I can't say that wrong. Hors <laughs> d'oeuvres, I know how to say it. At least there would be maids and people around to serve dinner. She and Stephen would definitely have made a mess with dinner. Uh, Looks like no homework this weekend, she said to her cat, Vanessa, who was washing, <laughs> washing in the upstairs hall. Vanessa purred rubbing against Meg's legs and following her into the bedroom. <laughs> they had five animals, and technically, that meant each member of the family should have one. But it hadn't worked out that way. Vanessa was hers and had been ever since the day Meg found her, a tiny gray kitten wandering around outside the Chestnut Hill Mall and brought her home. Adelia and Sydney, the two Siamese cats, were her parents' cats and rarely deigned to leave their bedroom. Humphrey, the lumbering, arrogant tiger cat, didn't belong to anyone. He'd shown up on their porch a couple summers ago before they decided to move in, no matter what anyone else said about it. He took turns sleeping with everyone, 
Sleeping around, father said. Oh my God, great joke actually. Then there was Kirby, their dog. They had gotten him at the pound right after Neil was born. So Neil could have a twin. What? Stephen Upton's what? So Neil could have a twin, Stephen Upton's? Oh, because he's ugly, because Neil's ugly. That's what Stephen is trying to say. And no one could agree on what breed of dog he was. He'd grown up in a large, shaggy brown and white dog with floppy ears and a shepherd head. The kind of dog whose loved ones were only ones who thought he was beautiful. Kirby belonged to all of them. Meg sat down on the bed, lifting Vanessa onto her lap. You're mine, right? Vanessa stretched out her front paws, back arching, then settled down to sleep. I think, Meg stood up, that it's time for some talking heads. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that's, that's funny. That's a good plug for it. Good plug for talking heads. She was tempted to put it on. She was tempted to put on old time rock and roll and do her Tom Cruise imitation, but someone invariably walked in on her. Meg wasn't into public displays of dancing. Her favorite song in life was Joan Jett's I Love Rock and Roll, but that was too rowdy for sitting down and being pensive. She settled for the Stray Cats because that way she could dance Vanessa around during the Stray Cat strut, dancing amused Vanessa. That's funny. That's fun. Good, 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 good content. She walked. She went back to her bed to be pensive. President, good God! As far back as she could remember, her mother had been in the Congress. It was a given. When Meg, when Meg was born, she'd been in the State Assembly, and before that, the youngest Boston Town Council member ever. But all Meg could remember was Congress. First, the House of Representatives, then the Senate. Nothing like moving up the old ranks. Her mother had. Her mother had had to take some time off when Stephen was born. And they lived in Washington for almost two years when Neil was born. But basically, it was all, it had always been like this. The family here in Chestnut Hill outside Boston. Represent Chestnut Hill. The family here in Chestnut Hill outside Boston and her mother living in an apartment in Georgetown, flying in on the weekends and whenever she could. They were all used to it. And her mother was put, and as her mother put it, tried to make these days they were together count. Those days almost seem to be hectic. Uh, yeah. Guys, I'm having, I'm bad at reading today and I acknowledge that. I know you can feel it. I'm stuttering on some words. I'm just gonna be upfront. I, I'm sorry for that. Nothing I can, I, I'm sorry. There's no way I can improve it at this point. This is it. It was hard to even imagine what it would be like if her mother was a lawyer at her father's firm or a teacher or something and lived at the home all the time. Not that, not that Meg didn't wish it were. Ah! God, I'm terrible at reading today. I'm so sorry. Not that Meg didn't wish it were that way. Whenever Congress recessed and her mother didn't have to, to be out among her constituents, possibly Meg's least favorite word in the English language was so nice. Kind of a luxury. Waking up and hearing those quick footsteps on the stairs made her feel complete inside. That everything was the way it should be. The footsteps never stopped. Almost as if they were rushing around to make, make up for the days they weren't there. No one at school thought it was a big deal. Thank God. They were used to it too. In fact, a lot of her friends were always saying they wish their mothers didn't have to be around all the time yelling at them or whatever. Meg would have chosen them yelling any day. She ruffled up Vanessa's fur, then smoothed it down again, just ruffling the fur on or around her head, creating an ugly, out-of-proportion beast, quite a stray cat looking. <laughs> it was funny. It had gotten so no one in the family even thought about it twice if her mother was interviewed on Meet the Press or This Week with David Brinkley or something. And it was an odd day if she wasn't mentioned in the paper. For a while, Meg had saved all the articles, but 
it just got ridiculous. There were magazine write-ups too, like the one in New York Times Magazine, a story about the leader of the growing minority, Congresswoman. With that one, she had even she even had a picture on the cover. A minority of one, she said to Vanessa, female presidents. <sighs> Enough of being pensive. She went over to the stereo to put on Bob Seger's Stranger in Town to do her Tom Cruise imitation after all. She took off her sweatpants and exchanged her tennis skirt for an old Oxford shirt of her father's. She set the record up for the right song, turned the volume all the way up, and grabbed the hairbrush to use as a microphone. The music started. She slid across the floor in her, in her heads and spun around to dance. The door opened quickly and she stopped in midrigation to blush. Don't you knock? Well, I, her mother was trying unsuccessfully not to grin. I, the stereo is so loud, she said lamely. Meg turned the volume down, but then put her sweatpants back on, her face very hot. Do you want anything? She asked stiffly. Well, I, her mother's eyes were bright and she was shaking from keeping the laughter inside. The stereo is so loud, she said again. Yeah, well, Meg coughed. What, what can I do for you? How about slaughter on 10th Avenue? Her mother suggested and broke up completely. Meg scowled. I'm sorry, her mother said, controlling herself. I didn't, I, I'm really sorry. Meg didn't say anything, arms tightly folded. Come on, what's your sense of humor? I don't have one, Meg said, trying to stay grouchy, but unable to keep back a small grin. Her Tom Cruise imitation was probably pretty funny looking. She studied her mother's, her mother? So, I don't know how to say this word. Why are there so many rich words in this book? Soigne, Soigne, S-O-I-G-N-E with an accent E. Soigne, ah, Soigne. She studied her mother, Soigne. She studied her mother, Swan, Soigne. She studied her mother, Soigne, in a light gray wool dress. She studied her mother, Swan. So what does it even mean? What's the point? She studied her mother, Soigne. I'm Googling it. I'm go I'm gonna Google it real quick. Song Um Okay, it means it means very elegant, well groomed. Um you ready? I'm going to play a definition. I'm going to play the... Soigne. Do you see that? Soigne. 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 Okay. Was I right? I think I said that correctly. So, eat that. She looked at her brother. Soigne. I lost my place. Ah! Soigne in a light gray wool dress. How'd it go? Not 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 bad. A little tiring, though. Meg nodded, smoothing the fur on Vanessa's head. Her mother spent almost weeks being exhausted. Well, her mother moved into the door. Toward the door. Sorry I disturbed you. Mom? Her mother turned instantly. You, uh, going to bed or something? No, her mother said. I just thought, well, she came back in. So, so how are you feeling about all this? Which things? Meg asked, to be difficult. Well, what we discussed in the afternoon. Oh, that, Meg said. Mm, that, her mother said. All the president's men was lying on the desk and she picked it up, automatically smoothing the binding and putting a piece of paper as a bookmark. Were you reading this before or did you start tonight? 
book report. Meg said, which is a lie. Actually, she kind of liked reading about politics. Not that she would ever admit it. Reading, because you were going to get graded, took the fun out of it. Besides, it was a lot easier to talk to the political people who came over if she knew a little bit about it. You're going to call yours all the president's people? God forbid, her mother shuddered. I'll uh, probably have to watch same things like that. Probably, definitely, her mother agreed. <laughs> she glanced over. You're feeling a little better about the idea? I don't know. Meg stroked Vanessa's fur, making her feel very, making her face very serpentine. I mean, it doesn't seem real. No, it doesn't, her mother said. And Meg watched her pace, wondering if she would do that someday or be like her father, who would just tighten up and move. It really doesn't. What's it going to be like now? I don't know, mother said, struggling. Undoubtedly full of depressing defeats. Sounds like fun. Her mother stopped pacing. I'm sorry. I'm not answering your question, am I? She sat down at the end of the bed. There will be a lot of publicity and, and some probably very unfavorable. And your father will have to be away with me for some campaigning. What about us? Meg asked uneasy. I'm not going to make you campaign, if that's what you mean. So I could, like, back another candidate? Her mother nodded amused. If you wanted to. Will I be mostly leaf-leading? Leaf-leading? Leaf We're standing around having pictures taken or what? Probably, oh, uh, sorry. No, I had the space book. Um, till 215. No, yeah, it's, um, right, it's 150, so I have, uh, like, half an hour. Okay, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm in the middle of the, uh, I'm in a show, I'm doing a, I'm reading a book for the, yeah, this is the, this is the recording studio, though. No, I know, this is the big Emerson College rec recording studio, so I need, um, yeah, that's where we are right now, in the big Emerson College recording studio. Listen, I, I know you think you have the, I think, I know you think I have this book, but, um, so, sorry, guys, um, pull up Facebook, do you have Facebook open? No, I know, but I have it reserved. Okay, look, let me see. What? That, okay, I positive, uh, okay, I'm sorry, yeah. No, yeah, I'll go in, I'll go in like the hall or something. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I, um, you're, you're totally good. It's totally fine. I'm understandable, that's my fault for not booking it. Um, I, I, I'm really sorry, okay. Good luck with your uh, meeting. Sorry. I didn't actually, I didn't actually book that room at all. They, they did have it reserved. I, um, that's okay. This can still, this can still work. We're, you know, we're wrapping up anyways. Um, I'm just gonna try to find, just steal another room from somebody, and, and hopefully the same thing doesn't happen, and we'll see what happens. I'm pretty sure. Um, just go in. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Sorry, that was weird. 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 Um. Sorry. Okay. Weird bit, sorry guys, weird bit that one. I'll acknowledge that, weird bit. And folks, it looks like we're just about out of time. Uh, again, weird bit guys, my bad, weird bit. Hey, we've got a good nine minutes left in the show. Take a big squid hobby. Um, first things first, uh, let's talk about this book. Uh, this, is, this is a terrible book, really. It was really just poorly written. 
Um, I, all of the all of the people I hate. I, here's the thing: I wish it wasn't a whole campaign. I get why it is, but I, I really I was when I picked up the book, I was hoping it would be an episode of Veep, and it's and it is. Also, I I, I don't like Meg. I, I don't like Meg at all. I don't like. She's 16. Damn it! I thought she was like. She's 16. Okay, Meg is 16. I just don't, I don't feel bad for her at all. Okay, well, prediction. Here's how it's going to end. Here's how the book's going to end, in my opinion. Um, basically, what's going to happen is Meg is going to um, campaign for her mom a little bit. She's going to get more involved with it. She's going to be more passionate about the issues that, that her mom has. She's going to start giving speeches or whatever at like a big convention or whatever. And then her mom's going to win, duh, because it's called the president's daughter. Wants her old life back. Ellen, you, Ellen, you really dropped the ball there. It should be the presidential candidates. My mom's running for president or something like that. That's what it should be. Because we know that. Um, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead to a random page. Her mother wasn't home much, but that wasn't anything new. She had spent most of her time in Washington figuring out her cabinet members and her other appointees, as well as working on her transition to the office with the current president, President Crandall. Her father flew down for a few days, and her parents went through the White House, deciding what furniture they're going to need and that sort of things. Yeah, okay, so her mom is president. And now the last page. Um, actually, you know, let's do another page in the middle. We're going to go in the middle again. <clears throat> okay. It was a relief when school ended and she could go home. Today she felt like a deer in a zoo, having everyone come up from the fence and say nervously, does it bite? Some guy who had held the door for her as she left the French class and two girls had their incredible scowls. Being the president's daughter was a royal pain. Why couldn't her parents own a vegetable stand or something? Okay. So she's not adjusting well. And we do that, I think. Okay, guys, here is the last page of the book. This is page 247. Boy, Meg said, kicking at the carpet. You don't even want to talk to me. Perhaps we can find a more opportune time, her mother said. The phone on the desk rang and she picked it up. Thank you, I'll be right in. She hung up, glancing into the silver strand of the pencil set. Pencil slash pen set? Come on, Ellen! Checking her hair again. You look fine. I mean, considering how old you are. Meg said, what the hell? Thank you, her mother frowned at the phone as it rang again. Do you still hate being the president's daughter? Maybe, Meg said, in a bet-you-wish-you-knew voice. Her mother nodded. That's what I figured. Meg grinned, moving to give her a hand, reassuring hug before leaving. Are you coming to dinner tonight? She asked. Maybe. No, I really mean it. Sure. Oh. Are you coming to dinner tonight? She asked. Maybe. I got it mixed up. No, I really mean it. Sure, her mother said. Her smile was bright with far more joy than just plain happiness. I'll be there. Terrible ending. No one's resolved. The conflict still exists. She still hates being the president's daughter. And her mom's still not emotionally available for her. This book ends terribly. Nothing's resolved. Ellen Emerson White, you've done Boston a, dis a disservice. Um, so overall, I, I think of the books we read, this is hilarious. I'm glad that I read it. Uh, I also have never heard of this before. I don't think anyone else has. If you have, that's great. Um, so yeah, tell me which book to read next, please. Uh, follow me on Instagram. Also, um, if anyone's in the Boston area, Stand Up in the Park is a fantastic place. Very huge. Stand Up in the Park has a show at 2, 5, and 8 today. At 5 o'clock, they're filming the comic show. That's going to be a stacked show, ladies and gentlemen. So if, if anyone's doing anything uh, in the Boston area today, in the Boston Common, go to uh, 2, 5, and 8. See the stand-ups. 
I'm performing too. Anyways, uh, finally, here's a little update about my screenplay. So uh, I decided to take out all the main characters because um, it, it was too much. I, I, I had 10 main characters all at the same time trying to talk. And, and I realized that when they were talking, um, you couldn't understand like all of the plot. So I'm, I'm realizing now that like it, it works best when everyone talks individually. I also, um, I'm working on a budget and I, and I realized I can't rent out um, Times Square with the money I have. So I have to figure out my opening again because it was going to be, it was going to be the main character, Jillian. Um, we open on her and, and she's in Times Square and she sees a picture of her face on, on the advertising things. And she's like, wow. And then she looks around and no one's there. And then um, basically that's when we meet the T-Rex and everything, but um, it's just not gonna work with the budget I have. So I, I had to kind of scrap that idea and, and I'm gonna work on something new, but um, I really didn't get a lot of work done for it this week. And, and I'm a little embarrassed by that. Uh, yeah, It's my fault really. Like I just gotta really sit down and do it. Um, but yeah, uh, really that's all we have for the show today. I, I really am. Uh, grateful for everyone for listening. I'm honestly, here's the thing. A lot of people are like, oh yeah, I listen to your radio show. I'm like, what? Why? Why would you do this? This show is a what came out. I, I pitched this as a bit. I didn't think anyone was gonna listen to this at all. Um here I'm playing the outro because there's three minutes left. But I again I am very appreciative um for everyone who listened to the show. Um and, and also um, thank you to everyone at the Emerson Library for uh Flying with my strange request. Also, thank you to Henry Kasich. Great songs. If you see Henry Kasich, give him a big old sloppy kiss on the kiss on the lips for me. I will. Even you know what? Take your mask off. I mean, here's, here's what you gotta do. Take your mask off. Say Henry, take your mask off too. Kiss each other on the lips. And then if Henry does that with everybody, he's the most popular kid in school. That's my goal. Make Henry Kasich the most popular kid in school. I also want to thank. Um, Bank, yeah, I did this all on my own. That's right. I know what I'm doing. I wrote the whole thing by myself. I don't help anyone. I tried to pitch some ideas because I thought that was funny. But no one did anything. I did it. Because I'm talented. Naturally. I was born talented. That's what this is. This isn't hard work. You know what they say? If you work hard to be successful, no. You gotta be born with talent like me. That's what it is. I was born so talented. Everyone looks at me and they go, Max, you're the most talented kid I know. And I go, yeah, I know. What's the big deal? And I spit on them. And they go, hey, can you sign something for me? And I go, no. I'm busy. And then I leave. I wonder. Well, I probably should stop it at two. But I wonder how long I could. Do you think like, I could just hijack it? And I can just. Do someone else's? Like, like what, if I just, what if I just ruined it? Someone else's show. I'm resetting the song. I'm playing the song again. I haven't skipped in the middle. I have so much power. I'm so powerful. What if I just, <laughs> what if I just did that in the show and I just went home and I started, I just started like making breakfast or whatever. You know what I mean? Who would stop me? That's the thing. I don't, I'm, it's a computer. What are the consequences of my actions here? What if I just started swearing? What if, what if genuinely I just started like, going crazy? I so could. I could just start, I can, oh man. Okay, next week's gonna be real. You know what? Next week I'm gonna just swear and I'm gonna play sexual, sexual songs. Okay, that's it. That's the whole thing.